share a few bulletins. So it's Romans 12, 3 through 8. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Thank you. We have been in the book of Romans for quite a while. Uh, when I told you the story about how our church first started, it was kind of interesting. Before our local church started, uh, we did this. And at this church service, there's huge turnover every week. All right, This is one of my favorite things to do. How many will not be at this church service next week? How many will not be here? Imagine if your local pastor asked that question. Awkward, be weird, right? But not here. And so in days of old, before we had locals gathering, because how many locals that come week in, week out? Go ahead, it's all right. A couple back there, a couple over here, week in, week out. See, those guys keep me accountable. I used to just give the same sermon all summer long. I did. And then locals started returning. I'm like, oh, no, I saw you last week. i got to change it up. And uh, so that, after that first year, I started going, all right, Lord, you're, you're, you're challenging me here. i got to get into your word. And so it was pretty obvious. You know what my first sermon series was in 2012? Sermon on the Mountain. I mean, come on, you've got to do that. I, I mean, I, you, that's where you had to start, right? So I started on the Sermon on the Mount, and it was funny. It was one of those things where I thought, oh, I'll be on the Sermon on the Mount for maybe like a month, two. No, we went for the Sermon on the Mount, I believe, for like a year, year and a half. There's some really, really good nuggets in that 101 verses that Jesus spoke on the side of the hill. Um, and then after that, that local church birth, and so we were like, oh, what do we do? And so I went through First and Second Timothy, because First and Second Timothy is like the instructions on how to do church. It's kind of like when you get that toy for Christmas, and you do one of these numbers, and you go, oh my goodness, and you're not sure which way's up, which way down. That's First and Second Timothy. It tells you some good instructions on how to do church church after we did first and second timothy i was like well we're the new church and things are going we said let's look at the book of acts that was the new church you know you know when jesus left when he hit the elevator up button when he went up on the clouds the book of acts pretty much started it was like now it's the church right and so we got to the end of the book of acts and i really didn't want to do romans okay romans is for very intellectual preachers to preach on i'm a ski bomb minister Okay, I'm up here in sandals. These are my Jesus shoes. I can walk on water in these. Um, all right, these are my. You know, I'm a ski bum minister, and so the Book of Romans is one that I was like, nope, that is above my pay grade, right? And uh, but the Holy Spirit kept saying, no, 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 you need to do the Book of Romans. And when I really got in there and I got to kind of go, okay, I, I got a better view of it. 
Paul wrote the book of Romans because in Rome a church had started. And the church in Rome was super multicultural. It was very ethnic, you know. Remember that saying, all roads lead to Rome? That, so it was super, super um, multicultural there in Rome. And uh, a lot of the Jews had kind of started this church um, to believe in Christ. They were Christian Jews, and they started this church in Rome. And it was very popular, growing very big. It was a mega church. Well, then this guy, I'm not good with history, Craig would be able to tell me, someone didn't like the Jews that was in charge, I can't remember his name, um, but he kicked them all out of the city. So all the Jews had to leave the city. And when they did that, all the other cultures kept this church alive, kept it going. Well, five years later, someone came in and killed whoever was in charge, and the next guy was in charge, and he didn't really care, so the Jews came back into town. Guess what? Their church that they used to have and everything was hunky-dory and perfect for them and it followed their rituals and the carpet color was what they liked and the Sunday school programs were doing what they wanted and the worship songs were just the way they liked. It had all changed. There were different cultures that were in charge now. People had stepped up. So they were using, I'm sure, different instruments from different parts of the world. They were practicing different celebrations right, than the feast that they had done in Jerusalem. And so all of a sudden, these Jews were freaking out. They were like, you guys are doing it all wrong. No, you messed up the church. Ever been to church like that? Me too. I am guilty. I am definitely guilty of when something is not the way that I like, I justify my frustration and I get into God's word or I get into my weird little theological brain that doesn't exist because that's for smarter people and I come up with some reason that can make my anger justified. I do. It's really lame that I do that. But we do. We start arguing over carpet color. We start arguing over paint color. We start arguing over if it's, you know, organs or if it's, you know, bands or whatever it is. You know, it's crazy. For the longest time, the saxophone was not allowed in church. Did you know that through the Middle Ages? It was like known as the seducive instrument. Right? Crazy, right? Kind of like our electric guitar now. Everyone's like, ah! <laughs> You're making me stumble, you know? And so, you know, we just got some goofy things, and we do the same thing. So what Paul did with the book of Romans, he said, okay, 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 okay. I am going to write you a letter that says, here are the majors, major in them. And if it's not in here, quit arguing about it. Just stop it. All right? So you will not find how to do worship music in the book of Romans. You will not find which instrument to use. You will not find what color to have your carpet. You won't even find what festivals and feasts and celebrations to have. You will find a very straightforward black and white gospel. And what Romans essentially says is this, that there is a God, He is triune, and He is above all other gods. He created you and I differently than he created any that thing that we see. He's given each one of us a will, a mind, and a soul. What that means is that you and I can choose to glorify God, glorify ourselves, or glorify something else. You Christians, me included, like to say other people do that. No, I am very guilty of glorifying my ministry. It's, it's not good. And it's funny, I can feel God pulling it from me on occasion. And instead of getting worried or afraid or whatever, I need to go, oh, wait, 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 what's going on here? Do you do that with your children? Mom, when you helicopter over your kids, you look like a two-year-old with a kitten. Stop it. 
You're suffocating them. They can't breathe. It's okay. Right? Hey, guy, are you doing that with your job? Are you so afraid that you're going to lose this perfect job that you will do anything for it? You're the first one there, the last one to come. Don't set yourself up for failure. Because guess what? There's someone right behind you that will do that job. They, there's someone right behind me that will do this job. We have to be careful because we like to point to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And when we don't do those, we feel pretty good. Yeah. Well, I listen to Christian radio. I voted correctly. You know, my kids go to Christian college. I'm okay. Right? But gods before God, so little g gods before capital G gods, typically for the Christian American are good things are good things out of balance. See, anytime we worship the gift and we don't remember the giver, we've missed it. And that's what Paul keeps driving back to, that there's a God who is both love and justice at the same time. Have you had a father like that? Who is both love and justice at the same time? I happen to have my dad in the audience today. Right? I'm very fortunate. My dad, I think, erred a lot more on love than on justice. I'm not sure about my mother sometimes. A little more justice on that side. You know, but my dad showed great grace, you know, to me. But you know, but he also justice as well. Guys, sometimes we ask for a God that we really don't want. Right? This God who is all love and no justice, we might think we want it, but really we don't. We don't. So Paul is writing to a church that has been divided by arguing. Arguing, arguing, arguing over things that are petty. So he writes this book. We've been going through this whole book, and we get to the chapter 12. Chapter 12 is awesome because it's the gift chapter. Gifts are incredible, right? That's why we love Christmas. That's why we love birthdays. Gifts just make you feel special. They make you feel great. Well, I want to make you feel special right now. I, after reading this, and I could be wrong, there are smarter theologians than me that might disagree. There are smarter theologians than me that totally agree with this idea. But when I look at Paul's language in Romans chapter 12, these are the gifts in the scriptures. Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, and Ephesians 4. When I look at the language, okay, 1 Corinthians 12 says spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4 says offices appointed by Christ. This here says, according to the grace given each of us. And Paul says in Titus that the grace of God is bestowed among all humanity. I believe that Paul and Romans chapter 12 are not talking about the spiritual gifts. These, I believe, are the gifts that God has given each of you at birth. And some of you might be a prophet, and we talked about that. A prophet is both foretelling and forthtelling. We all think it's about foretelling, it's also forthtelling. It's people that can just say the truth. But we all know those people. When they don't do it in love, it is so annoying. It's like one of those car alarms that won't go off. Eh, 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 eh. So if you have the gift of prophecy and you are not submitting it to the power of the Spirit, you sound like a car alarm. All right. But if you're using it under the power of the Spirit, oh man, beautiful things 
can happen. Or there is the gift of serving. We found out that when you use the gift of serving under your own will, you burn out and you get bitter. I bet you if you have a bitter person in your life, I bet you they have the gift of service. And they've been given, they've been given, they've been giving, they've been giving, they've been giving until one day they just snap. It's sad because a lot of servers aren't in church anymore because church uses them right up. A lot, of church, a lot of servers aren't in town rec departments anymore because town rec departments use them right up. A lot of servants aren't in schools anymore. A lot of servants aren't in town, you know, town things anymore. Anything that you can volunteer for. When you're going under your own will, a, serve, a server will burn up. But under the power of God, under the direction of the Spirit, a server's got that good rhythm, that good ebb and flow, and boy, I love a good server. They're the best, aren't they? Would you like a drink? Would you like a drink? Would you like something to eat? Can I get you something to eat? Can I, have some, can I help you? I'm like, yes, you can, you know? Server. Teachers. We all have been around natural-born teachers. Can anyone remember that teacher that you had? They were awesome, right? That probably was a natural gift. I um, talked about last week the spiritual-born gifts, right? They're spiritual-born. I believe that my mom, right? I believe my mom might not be a natural-born teacher. I believe she's a spiritual-born teacher. Because no matter what my mom teaches, it always comes back to God's Word. So you'll see the difference between a natural-born teacher and a spiritual-born teacher is a natural-born teacher ends up teaching what they're passionate about. So I'm going to end up almost always teaching skiing. <laughs> almost always. Even in the summer, I'm like, oh, you know, edge control. Let's get some storage wax on those skis. Let's think about those bindings for next year. I'm always going to end up teaching about skiing or grilling. I will teach you to grill. <laughs> How'd you guys like those pizzas last night? We cooked some pizzas last night in my house. I might teach you about food. I'm a foodie, right? That's the natural thing about teaching. But spiritual-born teachers, right? I believe God has given me a gift to teach, and he's given me that gift to come here with and talk about God's Word. And I love it because there's just people that I get to do it from all over the world. It's so much fun. That's teaching. And now to encouraging. I don't know about you, but everyone should have an encourager for a friend. If you're an encourager, let me just say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are awesome. And you know the thing about encouragers? They will never be short on friends. An encourager is the one who always gets invited to everything. They do. I remember being in high school and really struggling on Friday night when I wasn't invited. I just, I had this personality that was friends with everyone, but wasn't super close with really hardly many. So on Friday night, I didn't get that phone call to come, right? I should have looked in the mirror at the time, but I was young and said, you know what? Maybe one of the reasons why I'm not getting the phone calls is I'm not that encouraging to be around. I talk too much. I take up all the air. I tell all the stories. It's maybe not that fun to be around me. You know, and it, college was really hard for me because everyone in high school already knew me. It's so like, oh, that's Marcus. Just tune him out. You know, in college, it was more difficult. But if you're an encourager, <laughs> you're going to be invited on every trip. You're going to be invited to every restaurant. You're going to be invited to everything. To the point, actually, where you got to be careful because you will burn yourself out. Just like a server, when a server is operating under their own natural will, they burn up. 
An encourager is the same way. An encourager is the same way. If they go on their own thing, they'll burn up. This right here, my friends, is an encourager. And he's really embarrassed probably I'm doing it right now. But this is my friend Tim. He's from Pennsylvania, and he's going to be one of the most encouraging people that I've been around. It is incredible to be around him. But encouragers have to be careful, right? Because when has anyone said, okay, stop encouraging me, it's just too much, right? (laughs) No, they'll say, yes, please, more, more, please, please. And we're all like that. And they can just go and go and go and go and go and go and go until they just absolutely crash, burn. A lot of your weird like people that have drawn away from society that are like hermits or wicked crazy introverts, a lot of them actually are encouragers. They actually are encouragers that just went too far and couldn't handle it anymore, right? I actually have this problem. I'm not an encourager, but I'm an engager, right? And my and sometimes people don't understand this about me. If you're within seeing distance from me, I have got to engage you. That's why like, I can't go to a library and just read my book. People that read their books at coffee shops, I have no idea how you do that. No idea. I have to get alone. I have to have alone time every day. I have to have alone time every week. I've been encouraged by a mentor, and I really like this rhythm. He says this to me. He says, Marcus, daily, one hour, you need to completely detach. That's detached from your phone, detached from even God's word, detached from your journal, a book, any person. One hour a day, Marcus, I encourage you, completely detach. He said, and one time a week, 12-hour period. 12-hour period. And he was crazy. He's like, don't bring your Bible, don't bring a book, don't have a journal, don't bring your phone, 12 hours a week. 24 hours a month, one time, 24-hour a month, get away, completely detached, leave the cell phone at home, don't bring the Bible, don't bring a book, don't bring a journal. And he said, one time a year, seven days. He's encouraging me because he sees that I'm an engager, and I don't know how not to. When people come in the room, I start to shake if I can't get in with them. And if you ever talk with me, you'll see it's not good. You'll have to kind of keep my eyes in your eyes because I'll have a couple words with you, and then a new person will come in. I'll be like right off your eyes, over your shoulder. New person, new person, new person, new person, new person. (laughs) You know, squirrel, squirrel, right? And if you're an encourager... You do the same thing, but with encouraging. If anybody is within your vicinity, you have to encourage them. And that is an amazing gift. But if it's used without the power of the Holy Spirit, who keeps you in check? See, the Spirit is what balances us. If you look at John chapter 1, John chapter 1 says that knowledge of God became flesh. His name was Jesus, and he hung out with us, it says. And then in verse 14, it says, Jesus was the fullness of grace and truth. That means he was ambidextrous. He had truth, which is a right arm thing, and he had grace, which is a left arm thing. Why is that? Is because the Spirit was completely connected with Jesus. The Spirit balances us. So no matter what gift God's given you, you need the Spirit to help you balance. Because any gift to an extreme becomes a weakness. My gift of communication, when it's to an extreme, oh, you know it's a weakness. My spouse would be the first one to tell me. Right? When I talk too much. Right? Encouragers. When you encourage too much. Servers. When you serve too much. Teachers. I have a really hard time when teachers teach too much. Whoa. Drives me crazy. I'm like, who cares about details? Let's just punch it. Let's go. Put it in drive. 
quit trying to teach me. I don't even want to know. I just want to jump out the plane. You know? I don't care about the parachute. We'll figure that out on the way down. You know? And, um, but encouragers, there's an example of you in Scripture. There's actually two. The ultimate encourager is called the paraclete. The par- paraclete is the Greek word for encourager. Do you know what the paraclete is? It's the Holy Spirit. Yes, someone did their homework. It's the Holy Spirit. And in the book of John, a couple different times, Jesus says this, I will send you a comforter, or I will send you an aid, or I will send you an advocate, or I will send somebody who will support you. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is the ultimate comforter. He is the ultimate paraclete. The next one that was a human, his name is uh, Barnabas. I almost said Barabbas, not him. He was not very encouraging. Um, Barnabas. Barnabas actually translates the son of encouragement. Right? Isn't that a great title? There's other titles that aren't so good that are like that. This one's really good. Son of encouragement. That's amazing. Right? And this is what's beautiful about Barnabas. Barnabas encouraged Paul. Paul had one of the greatest ministries. Paul is one of the most famous Christians. I actually think us evangelical Christians make too much of Paul. We can kind of become followers of Paul and not of Jesus. Paul is extremely popular. He's written most of the New Testament. But could Paul do any of that without Barnabas? Absolutely not. Let me give you an idea. Do you know what's really cool about encourage? What word is in the word encourage? Courage. And you might think, well, what is this is where it is. Paul used to be named Saul. Paul wrote the book of Romans and a bunch of other books. Pa- Paul, when he was Saul, was a devout Jew, and he was very upset at the Christians to the point where he killed them. He would kill them, right? And he would issue decrees to kill them. He would hold people's jackets while they were killing them. He was a scary dude with a lot of power. So when he became a believer of the way, a lot of the disciples back in Jerusalem didn't believe. And they were scared. And so when Paul came into town, and he's like, hey, disciples, I want to get together and talk about strategies to make Jesus famous. They were like, this is a trap. He's going to kill us. He's killed our brothers. He's killed Stephen. We saw that. Would you be afraid? Who wasn't afraid? Ananias wasn't, but Barnabas wasn't either. Barnabas was not afraid. He had courage, because he's the son of encouragement. And what did Barnabas do? I'll go talk to him. That doesn't scare me. And in he went to Paul. He said, hey, man, I heard that you were converted. Is it true? Right? And Barnabas, and Saul said, you better believe it is. Paul said, you better believe it is. And, and Barnabas was like, all right, dude, let's hitch horses. I'm an encourager. You can talk and like crazy. Let's get it. Right? Courage is in encouragers. If you have the gift of encouragement, I would like to challenge you right now. When there are people in your group, so your church, your family, your street, your neighborhood, your work, that end up in the hospital, that end up with some awful health things or some financial things or find themselves in a really sad situation, death, health, financial, whatever it is, listen to me, encouragers. I want to challenge you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you have courage to enter their situation. That is one of the scariest things of my job as a minister, is when you get the phone call that someone's in the hospital and they're not going to make it. 
And the harder one is they're in the phone, they're in the hospital, they're not going to make it, and they're 27. They're four. They're two weeks. Encouragers, that takes courage to enter that room. And you've been given it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have courage. Take courage, encouragers, and walk into situations that are, are hard. And here's the thing. This is the best thing about it. You don't need words. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to know God's word and dissect it perfectly. You know what you need to do? One word. And it's what Jesus did all the time. We all think Jesus was this, I mean, he was the son of God, so he could do anything. I get that. But he did something very simple every time someone had a problem. And I see this word in the New Testament. It pops out and slapped me in the face one day. And I go, oh, it was super helpful for me. You ready for this word, encouragers? Enter. That's it. Jesus entered the home. Jesus entered the room. Jesus entered the town. Every time someone came to him and someone was dead, sick, or dying, the next verse somewhere in there says, Jesus entered. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. And just entering as an encourager is incredible. And the last thing I want to encourage you about, encouragers, I want to just really give you an attaboy. I want to say, go get them. You guys give people second chances. And that is incredible. I'll give you, I'll give you an example in Scripture. There's this young boy named uh, John Mark. And uh, John Mark, like most young boys, they want to be right where the action is. And like most young boys, they think they're pretty tough. But what happened to old poor John Mark when the tough got real tough? He stripped his clothes and ran butt naked back to his mom. It actually says that right in Scripture. When Jesus was arrested, so did all the other disciples, by the way. But John Mark was like, huh? He ran so fast, his clothes came off, and it said he ran butt naked back to his mom's house. Now, fast forward a little bit. He's now a grown-up boy, right? He's now a man. He's becoming a man. Paul comes to town, starts preaching, and says, I need someone to go with me on a mission trip. Who is strong? Who is brave? Who will take on the seas? Who will take on foreign countries? Come with me. John Mark again says, I got you. I can do this. What happens halfway through the mission trip? Paul's like, dude, you are a wuss. You are whiny, and you want your mom all the time. right? His, John Mark's mom must have been awesome, because they always ended up at her house. She was always cooking for everybody. Everyone always, the disciples always ended up there. And I can hear Paul now being like, dude, you have just got to go. You are driving me nuts. You're always asking how long it is till we get there. You're always asking, what are we going to have for dinner? And I'm just telling you, we need to preach the gospel, man, even when people are chucking rocks. Last time they were chucking rocks at me, I saw you hiding behind me. Okay? Step out and have it. I can hear it. I can hear the conversation right now. Because Paul did not joke around. Paul was not an encourager. I wouldn't have been friends with Paul. He was annoying, he was loud, and he was right. Who wants to be friends with those people? I would have been friends with uh, with Barnabas. That dude was awesome. So who gave John Mark a second chance? The Bible says Barnabas. Barnabas stood up to Paul and said, Whoa, you... Take it easy. Don't treat him like that. And Paul, punk, said, you know what? You two can go do your own thing because I need to get going and you're wasting my time. And what's beautiful about Barnabas is he did not give up on John Mark. And what did we get from John Mark? The Gospel of Mark. Think about this, folks. If Barnabas had not listened to the Holy Spirit and become the son of encouragement, would we have the book of John Mark? 
Probably not, because I don't know about you, but if Paul kicked me out of his group, I might have just said, you know what, heck with this, I'm going fishing again. I'm going back to fishing, because this whole apostle, disciple thing is just not for me. But Barnabas didn't. Barnabas loved John Mark. And John Mark gave us some really cool things. One of the coolest things is the, the Christmas account, right? Luke's probably the most famous, but then Mark. Pretty cool, right? So encouragers. Encouragers, I want you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, ready? Two words for you. Enter and second chances. I believe that's your calling. I believe your calling is to enter. And I don't care if you're a pastor or work at a church or even go to a church. These are the gifts given by grace, folks, to all humanity. And when you let the power of the Holy Spirit into your life... He's going to open doors. He's going to open your eyes to things you never thought possible. So what are the two words for you, encouragers? Enter and second chances. Thank you, encouragers. I'm not really one, so I am so thankful for you guys. I I really appreciate the, the, the encouragers that are in our congregation, that are in our ministry. Um, I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, need to become a better encourager. People could really use encouragement from their pastor. And uh, I sometimes forget to encourage because I'm on to the next thing. I can kind of be a little bit like Paul. And uh, so thank you, encouragers. Keep coming. Keep being around. Even if I do something dumb, just tell me, give me a hug and encourage me, and then tell me to encourage others. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that these gifts are not given to people with ability. These gifts are not given to people with already skills or talent. Lord, that these gifts are given before birth. That these gifts are given in grace. Grace, meaning we don't deserve these gifts, Lord. And these gifts are not for us, God. If a gift is from you, it is always through us to other people. Help us to never forget that, God. Help us to not take the gifts you've given us and use them for our own glory, our own fame, our own success, our own security. But by the power of your Spirit, Lord, help us to understand that your gift is just through us, but not to us. That your gift through us is always to and for somebody else. Thank you for our encouragers. Oh, they're my good, good friends. Thank you for my friend Nathan, who's an encourager, who you gave to me at birth. Oh, it's so awesome to have that encourager. Uh, We love you, God. It's in your prayer. Amen.